You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast, Bull Roundup Part Two. That's right. Talking more bowl games. A couple more in the books. Jeremy Moss here going solo once again. Like we said last time, got some travels. Matt's doing his thing. He's hanging out, visiting family, having fun. Christmas break here. I'm stuck at home. That's okay. I got to watch all the games. Excited. Website, if you're not familiar who we are, well, first off, thank you for stopping by, taking a listen. We appreciate the download. MWR.com is our website where you can find all of our written stuff. This is our bowl recap, and so we're going to talk about all the bowl games so far. I guess from the last one, we got a two bowl games we got talking about Hawaii Bowl. Or in the uh, cheese ball with who boy, a couple wins, great victories there, two and zero. Oh. But in the meantime, if you haven't subscribed, go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Last FM, basically anywhere you get your podcasts, go there. I my personal favorite, Pocket Casts. Apparently they're free now. They do have a which I'm, was I a sucker for paying four bucks a couple years ago. Of course not. They're amazing now. It's free, or you can do like a. I think they have some premium buck a month type feature th- thing, but uh Whatever. Whatever you use, we appreciate. Let us know. Give us in the comments on MWCR on Twitter. How do you subscribe to the show? I see people re- reply back to us with the iTunes uh, link on there. So if you listen to Spotify or anywhere else, just shoot us a screenshot. Let us know. We have football tonight. We'll have um, a little, I guess, sort of housekeeping at the beginning. We'll have a basketball show again. We'll have that kind of more regularly, regularly myself and Andrew. Um, this particular show, we have a, the two bowl games, like I mentioned. Going to recap those two, which are, you know, the important ones. We got the two bowl games that just happened. Um, and then we will do, I, I guess I'll mix it all together. Here's what we'll do here. I will do a, uh, I'll, I'll make another podcast. I'll make a quick one after this to preview the Washington or Wyoming Georgia state game. So we'll get that later, but let's get the bowl games. Let's get right to it. We don't, I don't need to waste anybody's time. We got New Year's Eve coming up. We got all sorts of stuff going on. Um, we, if you saw the playoff games, um, one amazing game, one terrible game. So well, I guess if you're an LSU fan, you love it, but we're getting to our games here. We're going to start with a Hawaii bowl Christmas Eve. 38-34, Hawaii beats uh, former WAC rival. Like, he yeah, has a lot of good games in this history. 38-34, this game, as I most likely mentioned or preview, or it's something me and Matt have said all season long, when you got Hawaii, like the, for them to win any like any game, because BYU, they're a pretty good team. Not amazing. They're not bad. They're 7-6. They're just a weird team. They beat USC, Tennessee, <laughs> Boise State, but then lose to South Florida, don't show up for San Diego State, but San Diego State's really good. So it's not just saying that's a bad team. But like they don't, they show up in some games and not others. Like they had South Florida, Toledo. They squeak by a Liberty team that's just okay. They crush UMass. It's kind of a an interesting season to watch for on the Cougar side, especially since the Mountain West has faced them quite a bit. Boise, Utah State, San Diego State, now Hawaii. Um, the one, the best thing about this Hawaii game: zero turnovers. Like that's all the things we say all the time. When Hawaii turns the ball over, it makes it tough for them to win. Cole McDonald. Usually is good for he's not Jameis Winston who for NFL guy joined the elusive thirty thirty club thirty touchdowns thirty interceptions in the season he's not that bad but Cole McDonald is t- known as we have seen turnover interception fourteen on the year so that's that's not quite good at all actually that's just terrible so for him this game to have nearly five hundred passing yards four touchdowns no picks they were oh, there's a highlight play in the background I apologize for that but. Like, he had an amazing game. Like, he started off, like, the game went out, like, okay, they go three and out. I'm not going to drive chart it here. But, like, once they started going, he is throwing dimes. They're doing, like, there's a couple passes across the middle. Like, he was getting it done. Like, Hawaii's running game was non-existent, which ended up being fine. They had, this includes sack yardage, two total rushing yards. Miles Reed had 10 for 17 of, of four. BYU's like, we're not, we're not going to let you run. But Hawaii's like, all right, we'll just pass it every single time. They just passed, and... There was no no need to run the ball. Like there's like there's a guy's kind of banged up on the Hawaii receiving group, but JoJo Ward had a big game. You had Jared Smart. You also had um, excuse me, Matthew Sharks have a big game as well, or Jason Matthew Sharks, excuse me. 
nine, almost three guys with a hundred yards each had four four different guys, three different guys catch a touchdown, four total. Like they BYU secondary could not stop them. Could not, however, we'll get to that third quarter in a minute where it's interesting. Like it went down. Like it was a pretty good game. Like there was defenses were filling each other out, defense making plays. Then went touchdown. Then there was a bad interception by Zach Wilson that led for a touchdown for BYU, for Hawaii. And overall, like Hawaii's defense made a big game. Like the way Hawaii played, not to say they played a perfect game, but we're talking about they need to have win a turnover battle, stop the BYU offense, which they scored thirty four points. Zach Wilson had a decent, solid game, two seventy five, just about yardage. They ran quite well against this Hawaii team, but. The no turnovers and Hawaii's defense stepping up for plays, and it was still a close game. So it tells you how close this really was. Like, what well, if there's just one turnover for BYU, or if Hawaii even had to pick themselves, it would have been a completely different game. Like, watching this, it's like, okay, the Hawaii's defense make the pick. They took advantage of all the interceptions and all the turnovers that BYU had. They uh, they had, um, let's see here. I get, well, I guess the one interception at the, the game didn't really matter because, well, no, it didn't matter. Apologies. No, that was a big one. The game was in line, driving there. They had, uh, I'm sorry, I'm. I'm airing on my fumbles here, interception, but they took advantage of all those fumbles they had, interceptions they took against Zach Wilson. So um, they did have the punt after the fumble, which could have been a game changer in the second half. But like watching through, like like Cole McDonald, like he's known to be a guy who makes bad plays. And like BYU did, like it's it's interesting. They still sacked him five times, and they still couldn't get it done. Like that third quarter was the big one. I know I'm bouncing around, but like. It looked like it was going to get out of control, like not just either side, but like at halftime, it's freaking 31 24. Hawaii scored seven points in the second half. BYU scored 10. Like you figured, okay, it's end of the half. BYU gets to fill a goal, no play for Hawaii to take the nil down. Okay, BYU's like, oh, we can take the lead. Punt, punt. Then they actually do tie it. But like the defense for BYU in the second half, they made big adjustments, adjustments because this game nearly got out of hand. They, Hawaii went on their first one, two, three four drives were three and outs they missed a field goal they had one long drive and then all came together end of the game like the missed field goal could have been a big deal but it all came after they forced a punt they go four plays and typical high fashion they BYU punts like all right like okay we got you guys we're gonna kick in the coffin corner get to the back of the other end they're at the other 14 yard line get a personal foul which gives them 15 yards right there helps uh, immensely for Hawaii there then you have a decent short pass then you have the 38-yarder, and then a 24-yarder to both to Nick Mardner, touchdown. Boom. That's basically the end of the game. And then the defense, like I kind of half said that, oh, the last pick didn't matter. Oh, it mattered because BYU's driving. They were inside the Hawaii, half, half their side of the field, 39-yard line. And then, oh, interception by good old Corey Bethley to return eight yards and basically run the clock out when there was 25 seconds off. Like they were trying to make that move to get the win. And – Hawaii's, it's interesting to say that, if you want to be honest, Hawaii's defense won them this game, essentially, in the second half, because while both defenses, it seemed like both defense figured each other team, each team out. And so there were, and it's kind of what happened, because you had the, the fumble, we'll get to the fumble in a minute, because that's kind of a controversial player, an interesting play on BYU side, but neither team could score points. There's the uh, missed field goal by Hawaii, and then we'll get to BYU's missed field goal as well, because that was uh, looked extremely close to going in. There was a couple plays where Hawaii BYU fans were like rats paying the rest, whatever all the stupid fan stuff. Oh, look at the rats! You're gonna pay them to win the game or <laughs> throw the game or something for us. It's, it's I'll give you a spoiler. It wasn't the rest that made the issue in this game. It was a more of a technology type deal. But like it's a tell two halves. Like cliche as it is, all offense, which was a very exciting first half. Even the second half, watching like oh, it was okay. If you like defense, which people say me of not liking defense, but there is the there is deep lot of good defense. Second half, they had the uh, Touchdown for BYU in the first little bit to go up, but it was, uh, yeah, and the reason that was stopped was because a huge punt return by Lifahifo for BYU. Now let's get to the controversy in the game. It's technology, not the officials, because Zach Wilson, the quarterback for BYU, ran, scrambled. This is that play where the game's tied. They're driving, driving. They're at the five-yard line after the loss of one on a Lapina Katoa run play. He goes and basically helicopters the ball like over the end zone. The ball pops through the end zone, which... Okay, that happened. However, it was hard to tell because the one camera angle that you can maybe see a player was in front of the camera a little bit. You know what would have solved this, folks? If there was a freaking pylon cam in this game. Like, maybe it would have gone against Hawaii. I'm not as excited as this. But you want to get to... I like the human element. That's kind of a thing. Okay, you got the replay. You got the computers. You got the monitors to check on it. But this is a 
a bowl game. I know ESPN has a million bowl games going on. They own a lot of these games, the camera crew, all that stuff. But how hard is it to hook up? You see it in the national championship game, or you will see. You see it in the playoffs. You see big bowl games. You'll see it in regular season Big Ten games. Pretty sure even regular season Mountain West games you'll see. And I don't recall off the top of my head. But if they had the pylon cam, they could have gotten the call right. Because all you see is Zach Wilson tumble over and the ball goes in the end zone. Who knows if he had the ball held in across. Because all you got to do, remember, touchdown, folks. You just got to get the ball over on the white chalk. It doesn't matter how much, just a little bit. And if he's holding the ball, it's a touchdown. Can't, we can't tell that because of the bad the technology it's inefficiency or lack of technology in this game where he couldn't see to me, it kind of looked like he was in, but it's hard to tell. And what it is, you need indisputable evidence. So they call fumble because, well, play jumps over, ball flops out. Okay, it's probably fumble. It seems like they call fumble on the field. They need to see 100% proof that's what they saw or didn't see to overturn, say it's touchdown. It's a huge break for B, or for a bad break for BYU, a huge break for Hawaii. That's what the call was. I can't say the other way. I looked close. I kind of thought he may have been in, but it's still hard to tell. Like to see it for sure, like, Honestly, for me, if they would have called it either way, I probably would have been fine with it. Favors Hawaii, so I'm like, oh, maybe like a little bit better because Hawaii got the call. And then I had on the uh, field goal where the ball looked like it hooked around. This is a BYU missed field goal, which could have also had an implication of the game because this is at the point where Hawaii drove down the field, missed the field goal. They're throwing them BYU's Jake Aldred got a kick. 41-yarder. It looked like it hooked back in. Part of it is it goes so high. Because the rule is, if you kick a field goal, obviously between the goalposts, duh. But if it's above the height of the goalposts, as long as it's over the yellow part of the goalpost, it's in. Because it's like the imaginary line, it's in between the goalposts. It doesn't have to be inside it. It just has to basically be over it to count without touching, obviously. If it hits it, well, it's a different story. If it depends on which way it goes. But my point is, if it's high above and it's right above the yellow marker, I guess, you know I mean, the yellow U there, it's a it's a field goal count. So his looked like it may have hooked back in. I've always thought this technology was dumb to not have. Why don't they have like a, a little disc, like a hockey puck size, or you can put a chip in the football, one of the two, or put like um, it could be like a hologram. I was thinking talking to people about this earlier, but I know BYU, my other work I do, we chatting about this game a bit. I was thinking like a laser. I'm like, okay, a laser, or maybe even camera or something like that, but why not, or both, but why not have like a holograph? Like you have the technology, which is weird too, because they have the first down marker, Got the I know they're not 100% accurate, so maybe that's why they don't want to implement this. But this would be pretty good technical technological advancement they could have. You would have um, like a hologram essentially. Okay, let me back up. Say it's a TV thing. You just have a TV graphics, boom, straight up. If it's over, no, oh, it's in. It should be good. But they'll never never do that. Like it's official, not official, because it's after the fact. But why not have like a spotlight or some sort of that goes straight up? You have a disc up there, maybe a camera inside too, just in case, like a small little fish cam or something like a quarter size GoPro or whatever with that quarter size lens you have the ball or excuse me have the camera they have the light like it's like all these companies do strobe light or whatever it's like going a spotlight going straight up and you could tell if the ball goes through or not I don't see that's hard to do I know the game was during the day so that's a bit different Hawaii I don't know was it dark at that time uh, but that's that's why you may want something something that's visible to see so that was two tough breaks that really could have changed the game for BYU and Hawaii like have BYU got the touchdown the game that would have given, obviously, if it would played out as it did, BYU would have had 41 points because that fumble, when was that? And it's like Hawaii went on to punt, and then BYU kicked a field goal later on, and Hawaii missed before like the missed field goals and stuff. So the game could have been drastically different. But like overall, the way Hawaii played, this is one of their better games there. 9 of 18 on third down. Roll only went for once on fourth down. 10 yards per pass down. Like this is the best passing game for McDonald. Like he was amazing. No, intercep- no interceptions. Four, almost 500 yards passing, all those touchdowns. Uh, penalties are a little bit of an issue, but the big thing, defense, mine, plus three, three turnover, turnovers. Um, Hawaii's defense had a big game. Like They only allowed Zach Wilson under about a yard under his per play average at 6.7. Running game did kill Hawaii versus BYU. Like BYU had nearly six yards of carry, but it wasn't enough. It was a couple bad breaks for BYU for why this game could have been different. But this, and also we should mention Cordero came in for a moment where he did not play well at all. So... But, like, BYU, I, I just don't get how – I get to give credit to Hawaii, but, like, BYU got eight TFLs, five sacks. They were stopping anybody and anything on the ground game. So Hawaii just lined up and threw it. Like, they have enough receivers. And this goes to what Hawaii's done all year. Like, they've had – I think one stat I mentioned was eight games early on where it was uh, 
six of their first seven or eight games, they had a or something like that where basically you know of the eight games, I think there were seven of their first eight had a, had a hundred receiver and six were done by a different player each, not a different person each time. Like say Ward had a game one, game five, a different player every time in six of those seven games that happened seven of eight times. So they, they're deep. So Kalani, Satake, and BYU know what's going on. Like they know what to expect. And they did their job by rushing the quarterback, getting into Cole McDonald's face, stopping the running game. It's just that the passing could not get it done for BYU secondary. And Hawaii took advantage. And BYU, and give credit to, huge credit to Cole McDonald where he did not make many errors. Like he made, like one of the touchdown passes was right over the top of a BYU guy. And then, also, in BYU's passing the ball and get twice defense, there are some passes that could have been caught by BYU, which kind of which did benefit Hawaii. But Hawaii also got Zach Wilson a little bit. They had four QB hurries. They had a sack, a couple of TFLs. Like they were getting back and stopping what was going on. And this is one of those games where it's huge for Hawaii. They beat BYU. There's old old Mountain West Mountain West fans like, oh, BYU, they leave. Get rid of them. You're out of here, bombs. You leave the conference, whatever. This goes back far, farther and further than Hawaii. They went back to the black they played for about 20 years. They've had memories out there. Like there was a time where it was 01 where the BCS was really a joke where they eliminated BYU before while well, while they're undefeated, I think, and they go to Hawaii and give up 70-something points. Ty Detmer won the Heisman Trophy and accepted the wall in Hawaii because they had a game on that Heisman Trophy night. That'd be wild. How would that be if this this day and age where got a Heisman Trophy presentation in New York City, but there's a game somewhere else in the country and there are players in the game and could win it? It's like I remember the Keenan Reynolds thing from Navy where he, if he, had he been a Heisman Finals, that's the closest thing we'd have. They were going to helicopter him from, I don't remember if the game, I, I want to assume Philadelphia, because Baltimore seems a bit far to helicopter from Baltimore to New York City, but Philadelphia is not that far from New York City. He would take a helicopter, get him to New York City, go on the rooftop of the Heisman, walk in all dressed up nice in his uh, attire they wear at the Naval Academy, his blues there. That would have been pretty sweet to see. That's the closest we've seen, but there's been a lot of history here, so Hawaii fans were into this game. Like, Going back when Dick Tomey was the head coach down there in the islands, like this is a was a big game for Hawaii, and there's a lot of BYU fans out there in too in Hawaii due to the religious affiliation. But this is a game where it's like it's a great bowl game. It's like, yeah, who cares? BYU seven and six. They're they have a very tough schedule. They had had a weird up and down season, but I gotta give the big big props to Hawaii for a not turning the ball over, and when the running game's not going, just pass it and they just abuse this BYU secondary for the first. I know the third quarter was an outlier, but like the first half, they were just abusing them. And then when that wasn't going well, defense like, all right, tag team, high five, whatever, we'll take over and stop this BYU offense. And they did. And that's why they won. There's like those two plays, the fumble and the field goal by BYU. Yeah, maybe that's something like that. But this is a great way to go toward next year for Hawaii. Like they're, here's the weird thing. They're 10 and five. There have been, I know somebody tweeted, I think it was a Jason Kirk or DeBanner Society. There was a, Two only two other FBS teams ever to have a ten and five record, which is wild. Because first off, to play that many games right nowadays, you got to be in the playoff, which you're not going to be ten and five in the playoff because you're going to be a one loss or zero before you get to play. Maybe have two losses, like thirteen and two or something, is possibility. But I think one team was like a pre nineteen hundred Ivy League team, and some I don't remember the other one, maybe some Rutgers team, but a two ever total. Part of it being, it's clear the only way this will ever happen again, like it's this type of record is you're the A Hawaii who plays 13 games every year, or B, your team that has the Hawaii exemption because you play Hawaii and you do the same thing. You go to a, uh, you win your conference division, go to a title game and go in a bowl game as well to get to 10 to five. So it's a pr- pretty wild thing there. But like this Hawaii team, like there's a lot of problems. Like next year will be interesting because you have Cole McDonald coming back and also Shavon Cordero is there. So the quarterback roulette or whatever Rolo wants to, wants to be is there. You have guys like, Running, maybe Miles Reed will have a better game. He didn't do great in that one. He's coming back. Like it doesn't really matter receiver wise, but when you look at what Rolovich has done in this year, like only in a couple years on the sideline as being the head coach. Like even this game, Cedric Bird, who's a guy who had the back issues, he only had three for twenty nine, and it didn't matter. They had somebody else step up every time. Like yeah, yeah, you do lose Cedric Bird. That's a it's a pretty big loss. He's a huge he's a huge player. But then you look at these guys you have, like, and Jojo Ward is gone as well. So there's a couple of guys. But you have, like, Jared Smart will be back. You'll have, like, Jason Matthew Shar. She's not going to be back. So they do lose a lot. But, like, from what we saw in this game, like, it doesn't matter who's playing receiver. Whoever's going to be the receiver for this team is going to be there and do extreme, extremely well because you got the quarterback. Hopefully the running game can get something going. And so it's, it's a team where 
yeah, next year, I'm going to take a quick peek at the schedule because it's only me today. I don't need to. We're not going to go super long here, but I'll take a quick peek at their 2020 schedule because if this passing game can develop again with a quarterback and new receiver, a similar same quarterback, obviously, McDonald, new receivers, some of them, it'll be interesting what they can do. And getting going, like, 20, like 2020, like, the non-conference schedule is not terrible. Like, they go to Arizona, whatever. They can beat Arizona. Kevin Sumlin's back, but they've been a mess. UCLA, it's at home. You got Chip Kelly. They did improve the second half of the year, but they weren't great. That could be a win at your home. Florida, MFCS team, blah. You go to Oregon, but they don't have Justin Herbert. They don't have Arroyo there. He's taking over UNLV as the head coaching job. Then you got New Mexico State in October. And so, like, that non-con schedule is not brutal. Like, if you go off the cuff right now, like, I don't think they'll win all those games, but I can see them winning maybe four of those. Like, maybe depending on what UCLA does, it's at home. That's but if they're to lose to UCLA and at Oregon, which or at Oregon, I'd peg as an early loss right now. Like three and two and four and one is not out of the question for this type of schedule that they have. And so there's stuff going forward next year. But congrats to Hawaii, Hawaii ten and five, get the Hawaii Bowl victory. It's great stuff for Nick Rolovich and that Hawaii program for going forward. Christmas has come and gone, but the Super Bowl is quickly approaching. We've seen just what our teams are capable of this season, and now it's time to get your last bets in before the bowl. Will the Ravens be able to get it done? Will Brady and the Patriots get themselves another ring? I bet you have a feeling. Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted in the industry. If you're looking for a sports book to make some bets for the bowl games, MyBookie is where you want to go. Football, not your thing? Well, don't worry about it. My bookie's got it all from the NBA to the Premier League. They've got the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. You can even pull your bets together for a bigger payout. Let's say you got a couple of big favorites this week. Parlay those wagers, let you bet multiple games together, and if they all come through, you win big. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. If you join right now... MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code MOUNTAINWEST to activate that offer. Once again, that's promo code MOUNTAINWEST to get your extra cash from MyBookie. Bet, win, get paid. The second of our bowl recaps is going to Chase Field, home of the Diamondbacks in Arizona, Phoenix specifically, Air Force 31, Washington State 21. This was the game, the America, who has not watched Air Force, who has 11 wins, two losses, better be ranked when the polls come out, the final one, just because you better do that because they're that good. They got to play Mike Leach, pass happy, wide open offense, passing, passing, passing. Well, I was listening to broadcasts, as you do when you watch these games, and part of it was where somebody was asked, like, during, they're talking about during the production meetings and everything, about how, well, how do you expect to basically, the way Air Force plays offense, how do you expect your offense to do when you have fewer possessions? He's like calling it like defensive propaganda or doing it. I'm going to cough in my Mike Leach, whatever, doing his little coughing fit to sound whatever. And he's the weirdest guy in the world for a million reasons, not just football, but other thoughts he has. But like this game, Air Force defense came to play. Like, yes, they did, they did allow a good chunk of yards to Anthony Gordon, 351, three TDs, no picks. However, Oh boy. Like this first drive, like it was wild. Like Washington State's going down the field, going march, 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 pass, pass. Like, oh, they're moving the ball pretty well. They get in the first they get first and first and goal, second goal, third and goal, fourth and goal. They decide to run out of shotgun, of course, which why? Air Force stops and then Air Force proceeds to go. Takes there okay, this is the first quarter, mind you. Air Force gets the ball with twelve twenty three in the first quarter. They take the ball all the way to the second quarter. They score on the first drive, but on the first play of the second quarter, but they end up going 20 plays, 98 yards, 12-23, just nicking and cutting and chipping and whatever they could do to get four yards here, six yards here, three yards here, 13-yard run. Also, yo, shout-out to Kaden Renzenberg, who doesn't get as many like Matt was on to handle our Twitter account, but he mentioned like he doesn't get the credit for being like a first team all conference running back, partly because he doesn't get enough reps, but the way he plays, like the type of play style of play he does in his production and his amount of uh, carries he gets, he ended up with 26, 178 and a touchdown. Like this is also an air force team where this, they usually want like this triple option or run option attack. They want to have big plays. Their biggest run was like 20, 22 yards. And looking over what Rendsburg did, like he had that huge game versus Colorado, 
But that's about it. He had three games of 100 yards total this year rushing. He only had only, air quotes, 1,000 yards. He did fumble twice, but he didn't lose any of those, which is nice. But, like, he's a guy, when he gets the ball, he's good in Air Force, did whatever they wanted against the Washington defense. They cannot stop them. Like, that first drive, it's just fun to watch. Like, America gets to see Air Force maniacally going down the field. Hey, we'll take 25 seconds here. We'll take four yards here. We'll get a first down. Like, on that particular opening drive, they converted two, was it three third downs? They currently converted three third downs and a fourth down, a fourth and one. Like, we're going fourth and one to 15. What's the deal? The only issue I had overall is the Air Force offense is that they were not passing well. Donald went only four or 12, which. Okay, we know he's not a passing guru. We expect to touch better. But like, th- like even the next drive, like in the first half, there were only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight possessions. It did, it did take up with six in the second quarter because Washington and State went down, scored a touchdown. Air Force had a field goal, but then here's the defense came in. Like they forced a fumble in the first play, took advantage. Air Force goes four plays and a touchdown, and then Washington State's like, screw you, we're going for a touchdown. End of the half, Air Force stops them. Like driving Washington's driving down they get a pick so it's a pretty nice 17-14 momentum keeps going to 24-14 and then air again defense Air Force another stop on fourth downs they stopped them twice on fourth downs I get the end of the game that one doesn't really count but they're going for it just because it's fourth and 23 but like the Air Force defense they give up the yards but when they made need stops they made stops the offense the points were probably touch touch lower than I thought or I guess no I thought there'd be more points because we've seen Air Force Go back like there's a Navy game a couple years ago where it's back and forth, back and forth, and like four, I think first of 41, one. But Washington State only holding them to 21 points. That's a huge accomplishment for Troy Calhoun and his uh, defense there. Because when you look at what Air Force typically, or excuse me, what Washington State typically does, like you're looking at like 58, 58, 31 versus Houston, the 63 point loss to uh, UCLA, like the 21 points was this was the third least all or excuse me four I guess fourth least so middle of the pack like Washington held them 13 Cal held them to 20 good defense Utah held them to only 13 really good defense and they have Air Force Air Force isn't really known for that defense and so for them to be able to hold them down to that that few amount of points like and it give again the one touchdown Caden Rungeberg had was the biggest one where it stirred up 31 21 or excuse me, it's excuse me, 24-21. They're up following the Washington State touchdown. Air Force like, okay, cool. 10 minutes or 10 plays, 60 yards. Ronsberg has that three-yard touchdown. Touchdown run. On fourth down, mine, I add you. So on fourth down, like they're up 10. This is this is wild. They're up, uh, or excuse me, this is where Mount come and say, see, analytics take care of business. It's 24-21. What does a six-point lead do for you? Literally nothing. Because yes, the team will squ- say Washington State State were to go down and get a touchdown extra points you give me they're gonna win by one so it's like you go for it because you're here's the thing you're still winning by three even if you miss it that would make and we that would make washington state have to go 97 yards and if you look at the next drive 10 plays downs that's it boom game over so huge credit to air force man 31 21 like they weren't super efficient they were efficient on third down three of three but only 411 on third down which isn't great washington state only went for five times on fourth down five times only got twice like yards per play like Running, no contents, 5.4 to 1.9 on the ground. 43 minutes of possession time. I was joking that before. I think I put my over under 15 minutes for Washington State. Washington State, give them credit, nearly scored a point a minute. Or they scored just over a point a minute. So 16 minutes, 21 points. Pretty crazy for them to score that many points. But, like, this is what Air Force does to teams that are really good. Like, this is why when they play any team, Power 5, Big 10, Pac-12, whoever it may be, or a highly ranked team, this is what they do. They keep the ball. don't allow you to score their points. But the thing is, their defense also wasn't playing this game. Like, they were, yeah, the yardage wasn't great what they gave up. But, like, overall, for what they typically do, like, that running game, they only had 15 rushing yards, 1.9 per play. I know they don't run very much, but still, like, they still stopped. When it, when it made plays to stop them, they were stopping them. And, like, we go to defense real quick, like, they had a couple of sacks, a couple of TFLs. Like Washington State did not get the quarterback. They didn't. They only had two TFLs, which they couldn't get the quarterback. The main reason Hammond had issues, like there are some really bad throws. Like that's like I feel like the one bad thing in this game. We've seen Donald Hammond throw to Saunders, and and he didn't even catch the ball. Oh no, sorry, he had one catch for ten yards. But there's times where guys are wide open. A couple plays here, or there where they missed it. Um, Hammond to third to throw whoever. But like that, if that's the one negative you have. 
like hold. I guess Nagy had 351 yards, three TDs, but like the Air Force team, like every time there's adversity, they came up and made a play. Fourth down, yeah, we got it. We're in score touchdown. Or we'll stop you on fourth down. No, we need to go 98 yards. Fine, it'll take 13 minutes, take the whole quarter to score to score the opening point. Like Air Force was really good this year. And I saw on Twitter, it's funny, like Air Force finishes 11 and freaking two. And it's still that Navy loss, who oh, that's crazy. But like, there's people like, oh, they they crushed Boise. Boise State crushed them. Boise State won by 11 points. If you look at this game, like I know our Matt put some on Twitter as well. I'm trying to recall exactly what he said. But, like it was 10 to 10 at halftime, 17 3, 13 in the third after the third quarter versus Boise State, and there it took a couple of plays here or there for Boise to win. But it wasn't by any stretch a dominant win. Like, Boise came on strong because there was the. Uh, like I'm looking at that drive chart really quick, just kind of punctuate how good Air Force was. Like it was 17 to 13 in that third quarter, and talking about Boise Air Force game, just to have some people realize, like, yeah, they're a good team. Turnover on downs led to a touchdown for Boise State. Interception led to a touchdown. So there's like a small four to five minute area where Air Force couldn't get it done, and Boise did get it done to score four. It was 14 points. But again, it's only, it's, people say, oh, it was, a, it was a dominant win. They're not that good, close to Boise State. It only won by 11 points. Yeah, Boise had the great late fourth quarter where they scored his 14 touchdowns to pull away. But, man, Air, people that don't say Air Force team not very good, very good. Like, like they should be ranked higher. They should be a top 20 team. Like, and then just, again, to look ahead a touch to what they got. They got Donald Hammond coming back. It really doesn't matter who's running the ball coming back because they seem to find whomever it may be. But, again, Caden Remsburg will be the guy back next year. He's a junior right now. You look at a couple other guys like um, let's see here you got Tevin Burdo I think he's a senior yep he's got Tevin Burdo excuse me he's gonna be gone but like if you have Rumsburg one main guy back and then you have Hammond coming back who again we put as player of the year the Mountain West Conference because he was that good they do lose Jared Sand Jared Sanders Saunders Sanders excuse me if I could speak he's gone but like it doesn't matter like hopefully the defense can get a touch better for who they have coming back and who's on this team we'll get to all that in the offseason but man this. Offensive teams, like, they're really good. So it's like, dang. They were, I don't say they're close to doing anything like a New Year's Six or anything, but 11 wins. Good turnaround for Troy Calhoun. It's, it's, still, it's still weird, like, thinking about what Calhoun's saying. Like, he's complaining about weird stuff in the Mountain West about traveling to Hawaii. Like, maybe we're not a good fit for this league. It's just weird, and he comes out and goes 11 and 2. And I say, quick look at their schedule really quick, too, next year. They, um, I got Hawaii schedule up here. Here we go, Air Force. Like, Interesting. I need to look at their schedule here. Oh, they still have. This is very odd. They have. Um, hold on. Am I looking at this right here? Oh, sorry. I'm looking at the FBS schedules. They put Washington State Phoenix. Like, what's that game? Oh, yeah, the bowl game, dummy. No, but look, like, they still have a non-conference game to schedule, which is interesting, which at this point I'm assuming it would be FCS foe. But they go to Purdue and then Navy Army. It's like. They play Navy October, Army November. They got Purdue for week two of the season. So they'll need some opener. I'm guessing they'll play some, not playing Colorado, they'll play some FCS teams. So that non-conference schedule isn't daunting. They go to, obviously, they play the Mountain Division. So they got Wyoming, who's good. They got Boise State, who's good. You have a CSU, who knows what they get, a new head coach there. But like, the, here's the thing that helps them. They get Boise at home. They get Hawaii at home. Their toughest game, like they go to Wyoming and Utah State. We'll see the Aggies can do with new QB, but... All things looking good with the quarterback coming back who they have with uh, Donald Hammond III. It's a great finish season, so kudos to Air Force Falcons. Good job to all you guys. And that's all we got for the show today. Two games going through pretty quick. We'll have another preview. Um, I'm looking at the schedule right now. We have one game on Wednesday. I was going to make a part of this podcast, but I'm going to actually make a separate one here just because make it a quick mini-pod. We have on Tuesday, December 31st. Now, actually, let's get into it right now. I'm not going to stop. I'll keep it going here because what it is what it is. We've got Wyoming, Georgia State, Nova, Holmes, Nova Home Loans, Arizona Bowl. We will do another quick preview recap for the whole Ohio-Nevada game next week. So, yeah, I was thinking out loud. No, we'll do it. That's what we'll do. We will have another podcast just for that one because it's game Tuesday. I want people to listen about our takes for Wyoming, Georgia State. So, We'll get to right now, folks. So you get some bonus time here with me. So this game's 2.30 Mountain Time um, out in Arizona again. It is a one-week seven-point line. CBS Sports Network. So remember to check out. Um, we get our free Fubo TV if you want to get the free subscription there for a week. Check that game out. If not, upgrade your package to CBS Sports Network. Um, here's what we do. We get Arizona Bowl, Georgia State out of the Sun Belt. 
we met, our buddy Matt Kennelly did a Q&A with uh, Scott Watkins, who he covers from, where's he from again? Uh, Forgotten Five. So if you've ever checked them out, they do great stuff on the group of five stuff or over at ForgottenFive.com. And so one of the biggest things, like uh, biggest stories of the year, if you don't remember Georgia State, they went on the road, Neyland Stadium, and, um, well, defeating Tennessee, which in week one seemed kind of funny because Tennessee wasn't great. Not week one, but two, three, and four, Tennessee wasn't great. But Tennessee ended up going to bowl game on the rise. Could be one of those stupid bowl bump teams that gets a win and gets ranked because, you know, bias against a group of five. And, like, they would rather vote Tennessee or Stanford or Northwestern instead of a group of five team in there at the last couple spots. But what you give this Georgia State team, like, most people thought, like, any predictions out there? Georgia State season had the Panthers losing a lot more than winning, so they come off a two and ten season last year, and so huge turnaround for them to go from two and two and ten to go to a bowl game, sitting at seven and five with a win over Tennessee. It's a pretty big deal for what they're doing. So it's like I give credit for them for overachieving and taking care of business for what people thought that could not be done. But what do you want to look at? Like the running back, it's like Tra Barnett is huge. Like he is the reason they're that good, and what he brings to backfield, he's. Like Watkins mentioned, he's the best running back in Georgia State history. Um, holds every rushing record right now. He only needs 100 yards against um, – okay, this will be tough. they playing Wyoming. Wyoming defense to become Sunbelt's first ever um, – or excuse me, Georgia State's first ever Sunbelt rushing champ. So we'll see how that goes because Wyoming defense, you got Logan Wilson, you got a bunch of guys out there. That's going to be a, a tough one to stop. It's not going to be easy at all to slow them down. Um, he's dangerous because of how versatile he is. He's a strong size, can get through the tackles. He's breakaway speed, and he has just that blast to be able to not allow the linebackers even uh, secondary to catch them. And also, he's consistent. He averages, um, when you look back at the year, he had a five yards per carry, 90 games a season, including three games of over six and a half per carry. So he knows what he's doing. Or that's that's kind of dumb to say. He's just good at what he does. Not that he knows what he's doing. I guess you do know what you're doing because, heck, Playing college football, you know what you're doing. And playing at Sun Belt, FBS level, he's doing quite well. He's sitting at um, at 12 touchdowns, 115 per game. So this is Wyoming's biggest threat. Like, if they're going to stop and win this game, they're going to need to slow him down. Because he's had games like he played Troy 240 yards, 190 yards at Monroe. South Alabama 128. His worst game was a... Uh, I guess I don't even would even count for him because he probably didn't play very much. Was probably the Georgia Southern game where he had 53 yards and a touchdown. So it's only been one time he's held under four yards, two times under 4.5. One of those was, was Tennessee, and so if they can get him that range, which would be very difficult, that's probably and most likely the key for why or how Wyoming can uh, beat beat them. That's going to be I'm going to say matchup number one to watch. When you look at the Georgia State offense overall. Like they run the ball well, passing they still pass pretty well. Like you can't you can't sleep on Dan Ellen, Dan Ellington either. When he has 21, 21 TD, seven interceptions. Offensive line isn't great because he has a, almost been sacked for about one hundred and fifty yards all over about one and a half times a game. So they do have to worry about that. The uh, speaking of Georgia State's offensive line, they're gonna have to try to stop him. See see what he can do, and if he can avoid any sack. And when you look at the receiving group, they have a bunch of guys who about ten yards per carry. Nobody. Really stands out. They have a lot of guys like they, their tight end might be. A, well, let me see if he's still, if he's eligible if he's still playing here. Aubrey Payne, because he's only had 13 catches. So I'm double checking here as I'm going on the fly to go through these stats here. Well, I mean, is the big favorite. I could mention they are a touchdown favorites. And we look at the uh, season long stats. I just want to double check here because yeah, he's been playing. Yeah, he's playing the whole year. I'm just curious. He only has 13 catches. However. Six freaking touchdowns on 13 catches. And so when he touches the ball, he does quite well. It's just that he doesn't get the ball very often. So that he's still got to keep an eye on. But when you look at the true receivers, like you have guys, like multiple guys have multiple touchdowns. They have four guys with two or more touchdowns. Sam Pickenery leads the way with uh, five TDs. But their biggest threat, the pass catch, is Cornelius McCoy with 65 on the year. He's the guy that one with secondary needs to. Focus on the most because he'll get the quantity and bulk of those uh, targets. And, they, and then you have like Sam Pinkney there, 30-something. Roger Carter, another tight end. They have two really good tight ends. So tight ends, we look at both tight ends, nine total touchdowns on 38 receptions. So that is a position that's their most efficient on the field. Probably not as efficient Barnett, but he's there. He's right there where that's an area where Wyoming's got to 
they got to focus on a lot of different things. You got to get try to get to the quarterback in Ellington, sack him if you can. He's good at getting completing the ball at sixty five percent. He can pass the ball around quite well. Gets it to multiple players, so he's not going to be focused on just that one dude. And so, a couple of things you look at in Ellington impact is how his team does well. So here's the difference. The thing is, in wins and losses, where he's good and not good, that's a problem. He's extremely good in wins and extremely bad in losses. I know that's a weird thing, but it's like the old, uh, what did we say, Boise State, bad? Oh, shoot, who was the quarterback before? Uh, Brett Rippin, yeah, sorry, apologies. Like when Brett Rippin had a bad game, team doesn't play well, plays good. It kind of seems obvious, but the Boise State team, they eventually got over it occasionally. Like they, let's be honest, they weren't losing many games anyways, Boise State. But when Rippin played poorly, it kind of snowballed and the whole team maybe not playing the best and struggling to get a win or even losing sometimes. And so the win-loss split is a huge deal because when you look at, I'm trying to pull up his individual stats here, but like, again, they are 7-5, to five, so they weren't like this amazing team in the Sun Belt, but they are still above average. You get to a bowl game. They have some decent victories, again, the Tennessee one. But like when we look at the passing game, like Ellington, he's sitting at um, – with the Georgia State here, he's sitting at six in yards per uh, yards per game. Like he only gets like one ninety, so it's kind of interesting. But his his QB rating is just well, it's not great either. But here's the big thing: we look at we pull up when you dive deep in Ellington. When you go to the splits, like for his per game stuff, like wins and losses, it's not great. Like his losses, like fifty five percent completion rate, uh, fifty forty four. Like he's not like he's sixty five percent overall, but his losses. Like he had, yeah, the Tennessee game he was under five hundred, under underwater essentially in the passing rate. He's not that great. He has more interceptions clearly in losses, and he has no like it, the difference in touchdowns. Excuse me, in interceptions in those games. It's wild, and and all the wins he had, he only has, in every game he's won. He has one pick, or excuse me, two picks in every in total for the win. All five picks came in a loss. Five other picks, I should say. Five of the seven came in a loss. Two came in a win. So if Wyoming can pull off an interception or two, that's a key reason why they're going to win this game. So when you look at the Wyoming side real quick, the big news is that there's basically one quarterback, Levi. Levi's out there playing QB because Sean Chambers injured. Tyler Vanderwall announced he's transferring from the program, going to the portal. And so it's like, all right, so what is that going to mean at quarterback with just the one guy who's a freshman who has not played very much this year. And so I actually, let me rephrase this. Let me go read what it says here. Craig Bull, there's a new updated story just from over at trib.com that came out just as a recording. It looks like recently. Um, oh no. Um, actually I should, I should rephrase that. Vanderwall's interesting. I thought, Oh, let me, um, hold on a moment. I thought Vanderwall said transfer. Is this incorrect? Is there new news here? Um, because here's what here's what Coach uh, Bull had to say. Come down to say earlier earlier this month. After saying earlier this month, he may go all the way up to the game time to decide between Tyler Vanderwall and true freshman Levi Williams. But Bull said his staff has made a decision privately, and and what we're doing. Position one means Arizona Bull matchup. Blah blah blah. Bull said now announcement will be made soon, possibly as soon as Cowboys practice Saturday was over. But no public acknowledgement has been made. Okay, I'm recording this Sunday. I've not seen an update on this. As well, but I need to double check because I thought. Um, let me double check here. Okay, I I don't know what they're doing here because I was correct. He did enter and enter the transfer portal, Vanderwall on December seventeenth. So, I hmm, I'm wondering. This is just wild and trying to think out loud on the fly because this is something new that just came out. I. Hmm, let's see. Oh, okay, here we go. Um, yeah, I don't know what the deal is. It's going to be Williams. Why would there be... Why would Vanderwolf, he's publicly said he's going to be in the transfer portal. I don't know. It's whatever. It's going to be Williams because <laughs> there's no way if he said he's entering the portal that he's going to come back and play in this game. Like, there's no reason to believe that that's the case. Like, if you're in a portal, you're gone from this team. And they portal December 17th. And so... Yeah, that's all it is. So it's in the transfer database. Most commonly for it is the portal. Um, 24-7 Sports has a great portal on there. Like, they have a good website and database. So it's um, it's going to be Levi Williams. Like, there's no reason why it wouldn't be. And so I just went along long-winded way of say it's going to be, um, well, Bull, Bull's mom on it. It's just reading the article. I don't know why he – like Dave, Davis Potter already does over at the trib.com, but it's kind of interesting that – 
I guess he's kind of doing it back. The way he wrote this is interesting. He kind of backed ways into it. Like, okay, earlier this month, it's going to be between these two guys. Vanderbilt started the final four games. He should flip that and noted, while he hasn't, Bull hasn't said who's the starter, it's going to be, like, there's no reason to be Vanderbilt. So we've seen Williams, what he's done. Like, he split time when Sean Chambers came out when they played late in the year, the final couple, final games, especially that snow game. But it's going to be interesting because it's going to be his first career start and what Williams has done, it's been a limited time. He took more reps, like second half of the regular season finale versus Air Force, increased where the reps increased enough, which is why Vanderwall went to the portal. And so that'll be interesting to see. But it's not Sean Chambers. That's the thing. It's not going to be running them, not going to be stiff arming like we saw the week one game when they had those early season victories over Missouri and doing quite well. It's going to, He runs a bit, but it'll be interesting where if that's the only scholarship quarterback you have on the roster, if he gets hurt or anything goes down, it's going to make a long day for that Wyoming offense, that Wyoming team. And then one thing you look at, too, as well, for the running back, Titus Sween has been cleared to play on the dress for the game. Um, but true freshman isn't currently among the healthiest options at the moment. And so he missed six games. But, again, it's going to be Xavier and Valid, as we all seem to know, what the deal. He's got 1,000 yards. Um, but here's the thing. The reason why it's important to notice about Titus Swin is because Valadez had an injury and may not be 100% when that, game, when that game comes up in a couple of days. And so it'll be interesting to see. He's a bit rusty, bull set of Swin, so it's not like he, he's available, but he hasn't played. It's like, but he's not in the top three depth chart yet. So he's a guy where they'll need the depth because of what if Valade isn't great, which hard to believe he would be great, but... If there's a lot of injuries compounded, maybe he'll get four less carries and they go to Swan or somebody else. That's something to be interested in as well, just because if you get an injury, you have next guy up to play. Similar with any other position, but guys already going into the game not fully healthy to go. Yikes. Um, one thing, too, interesting they're noting, um, because this game, when it is, it's after the semester, grades will have been posted. There's no word on if any player will be academically ineligible. Um We'll see. Right now, he said nothing at the moment. We're still waiting for the process to play out. Grades have been posted, but nobody's giving him any indication that the guys will miss the bowl games. That's a good thing. So, we got to take care of the grades, do all that stuff. But that's a big thing. Like, quarterback, one guy, Levi Williams. Running back situation, not entirely healthy. So, this may come down to Wyoming's defense getting in the way of Georgia State not allowing the running game to go well or the passing passing play, passing game to achieve what uh, Dan Ellington and Georgia State Panthers want to do. But when, going back to like uh, the Q&A we did, um, one thing that was interesting that we pointed out in our Q&A that the Sun Belt goes three deep. Um, here's what the question was. It goes, Matt put I noticed that every Georgia State athlete named to Sun Belt pre-postseason three deep played on offense, which um, might lead to defense might be some issues in this game. And so... It's, it's true. The offense is great. It's kind of the tale of two halves. Like, Wyoming's offense, we'll see if Williams out there, what he can do, running the ball, passing the ball, getting it to Xavier and Valade, Valade. Georgia State, this might be a shine where you just run the ball, run the ball, and the freshman Williams can have good plays, big games. And so, because not the Wyoming's offense is a detriment, but compared to the defense, it's not as strong. So, Georgia State's offense will be a strength. It'll become like strength versus strength and weakness versus weakness a little bit. Even though I'd say Wyoming's offense is not weak, but you get my point, folks. You're not healthy. No different starting quarterback. No chambers. It shows some signs, but the unit bottom out last year, according to Watkins, and it's still a huge problem. They lost the two best players on the side of the ball. Ed Kearney is out safety. Randy Lazarus is out. They missed a few weeks ago, been out. They're giving up over five yards to play on the ground. Eight and a half yards through the air. And so... Not good. They do have Trajan Stephenson McQueen, Stephens Steph, McQueen, excuse me. Um, though he would have been an all-conference player, but Sunbelt's really, really deep linebacker. And so he's one of eight players in the league to get 100 tackles and two picks. So they have a player or two. Um, they'll need Stephens McQueen to step up and have a big game. But overall, if you think what Wyoming's done all, all season long running the ball, even with the new quarterback, they should be fine in this game. There's a reason why they're favored by seven points. And so, and also, it should be noted, Arizona Bull has some crazy games. Like, it's only been around a couple years. There's been overtime game. Mexico State last year played Nevada. Been some wild games. So, we'll see how it goes. But overall, um, one thing they do, Watkins did expect to say could happen, like, the team to come out with a few wrinkles. So, maybe do a few, 
not necessarily a trick play, but kind of mix things up and call game they haven't called, at least early on, to kind of get Wyoming's defense on their toes. But for the game itself, let's go to picks here. Wyoming, seven-point favorite. Over-under is a low. This is one of the lower over-unders at 48. Not many points in this game. Uh, my pick, I actually need to pull up my pick here because I don't have my picks posted yet on the site. But Wyoming, FPI, 72% chance to win the game. Not bad, not bad. But we go to team rankings and number fire. It's basically team rankings gives them a seven point edge, matches the line. Number fire thinks a little bit bigger, ten points, thirty two to twenty two. So when I pull up the bull games here, like when I'm looking at the uh, picks here, really quick, I know I picked Wyoming to win. I think I picked them to. I don't know if I picked them to cover. I'm trying. I made my picks like weeks ago because we've been doing this stuff for the past while. So I look at the picks I have. I pick. Um, yeah, it's actually a pretty close to Air Force game. I went thirty twenty three. It's not bad. I actually think it'll be closer than people think. I actually picked Georgia State to cover, but Wyoming to win 20 to 16. I do think it'll be a low scoring game. I think because Wyoming defense will do that to slow down Georgia State. But I expect a close game and the Mountain West to get this victory. I think I picked the Mountain West to win every game, and I'm not doing extremely well on that point. But if they win this game, it'll be the third straight bowl victory, excuse me, fourth straight bowl, bowl victory um, of the season so far as one left. But uh, that's all I got to say. My voice is kind of going on me, single podcast, talking about three games kind of in depth. So that's what we got. So we got the two recaps, Hawaii Bowl, Air Force Bowl, or Cheese Bowl, I should say. Also, you see the uh, cheese bath with the uh, Gatorade and cheese that's mixed in. Not bad. Um, but check us out. MWR.com is our website where you can find everything we do. Um, hoops, football, we have previews, we have picks, we have all sorts of stuff going on. Tell a friend, subscribe to the podcast. MWR.com is our website, but anywhere you get it. Again, like I said at the beginning of the show, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, LastFM, iHeart, Spotify. Send us a screenshot of what, what platform you're listening on because – like that's some fun and we'll be back later um this week we'll do a recap and preview the final bowl game of the season and again we'll be here all off season long we're not going anywhere we'll do because we've got some basketball coming up we'll do some football throughout there at least once a week doing some fun stuff also the uh march i don't know what's called it's march fadness or whatever they came out their top um what is it real quick let me pull it up i mean my wife were looking at it earlier today about the march they put march xness as their Twitter handle. And so they're doing, because we did the podcast on this a couple times. We're going to do it again because last year I screwed up the audio and I apologize. So we're going to do, it's going to be bad hits from 1970 to 1989. It begins March 1st, 2020. So we'll get to it later, but there are some wild songs in there. They have a, a YouTube playlist, but again, it's March Xness on Twitter. So definitely check that out. But it's basically the worst, the best worst songs or something like that. But we'll have fun with that later off season. One of our kind of non, non-football, non-basketball off topic shows. But with that, we'll see you next time. Check us out at MWR.com and Hey, have a good new year. Happy new year, folks.